2: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily
1: bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You said that people have perceptions of you. What did they say? The guy never smiles. The guy is ruthless. And what's the truth? The truth is that there is some truth on it. <laughs>
2: Nothing can replace the feeling of playing football at this level. The team is the engine of the club. We've got an amazing squad here. Oh, I'll leave it out.
1: <laughs> it's only the second time that I get a job in mid-season. never seen someone cover Twitter on Instagram. Oh, my God.
2: All their Jose are <laughs>
0: To make a lot of noise, I give one more day off. What happened to us this season is impossible. Another injury is the last thing Spurs need right now. How can we do that?
2: Tottenham are out. We are on shutdown. Coronavirus has led to the cancellation of all football. Well a team of good
0: guys. But good guys, they never win. Play aggressive. How is that right? Hey, please! And believe that you can win. Courage. Honesty. Friendship. That's the most important thing in life and in football. Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs, bringing you a transfer special here, and many will know this man that we're going to be introducing the second to this show, been a regular on The Last Word on Spurs, for I want to say in the last two or three years, always love hearing his insight, but before we announce who we've got, I want to also welcome back, we always call him the transfer guru on the show. JB, how are
2: you? Yes, very good. Thank you, Ricky. And yeah, I'm really excited for this one today. Obviously, got a very special guest on and we're uh, really interested to kind of hear what he said. But yeah, obviously, I'm replacing Jason today. I know he's not the biggest fan of transfers as everyone <laughs> will know. But um, yeah, very, very, definitely a pleasure to be on this one.
0: Oh, you're very calm, mate. Yeah, listen, that's the thing. Jason, of course, was part of like I say doing the shows weekly with us and as you know with maybe the change of manager style of football and transfers which to be fair to Jason he's not a big fan unless they're coming from Tuto Makato then he's a massive fan of transfers hence the reason why the brilliant Jamie from the Daily Hotspurs with us for this one. Please then to welcome Assistant news editor for Sky Sports also helps on the West London sports scene. Pleased to welcome back to the last word on Spurs. Lyle Thomas joins us. Lyle, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you doing?
0: Not bad. Not Pleasure bad at to all. be here. Oh, you're very kind, Lyle? Do you know, Lyle I know jokingly, I, was, I haven't told you this yet. I thought because of the coronavirus and the business, I thought we weren't going to get a transfer window, and obviously we were naturally <laughs> devastated. Jason was in his element, but I said no, we're going to make it happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think there's any questions whether there'd be a transfer window or, or not. When when it was going to be and how long it was going to be was obviously what was up in the air for a long time, but. That was all part of the part of the fun during the lockdown, trying to find out what was going to happen there. Yeah, it's obviously been, you know, really um, well, just a chaotic, strange time for the whole world, but especially for the football world, and actually for, for journalists, for for football journalists, I think it's been some of the most interesting times that we've had because, you know, people people were saying to me, "Well, what are you going to do now? You know, there's no football. What are you going to report on?" It's like, well. There's loads to report on because no one really knows what's going to happen. So digging around, trying to find out, you know, when when games are kind of going to come back and what they're going to look like. Is there going to be a transfer window? What's that going to look like? It was, it was loads of stuff to get to get our teeth stuck into. So um, no, it's been it's been a bit of a whirlwind, but it's actually been quite fun.
0: I am going to let Jamie ask you about Jose Mourinho in a second because like, I mean, mm. the last time we spoke to you was over Christmas and we were just kind of again in that period where we were reflecting on. A big managerial change, of course. Pochettino departing. Many, many supporters loved seeing Maurizio at the helm and obviously being replaced by Jose Mourinho, a serial winner. I think it's fair to say now where we're at, kind of, again, six, seven months on, definitely, you know, it divides opinion whether we've made the right decision. Some do feel that, listen, it's a serial winner. Give him time. Give him the players he wants. And we may very well see this Spurs side go on to win titles. Others, again, with Mourinho, they just feel that it's never going to end well. So... Hence why we've got you here. But I have to ask you, you kind of brought up on it there for a second. In terms of COVID-19 and the impact it's had on the transfer market, you as a journalist, I mean, tell us how has it affected really this transfer window, this summer one in particular?
1: The first and most obvious place that it's impacted is financially. You know, the clubs have been hit incredibly hard financially by this. Some some more than others. Um, You know, you've got you've got a collection of teams around top of the Premier League that are very well insulated against a lot of economic changes. and Even this, you know, they're obviously financed by states, some of them, huge companies, you know, hugely rich owners. Um, so I think for the most part, the very big clubs have got away with it pretty much unscathed. I mean, if you look at Chelsea in particular, they've obviously done a, a decent sized deal already in Timo Werner and they're looking at doing... Some other fairly fairly sizable deals as well, such as such as Havertz. Um, you know, Manchester United are obviously trying to do a deal for Sancho, which would uh, which would be an expensive one as well. So those kinds of clubs have done all right, but um, out of it. But I think everybody else has suffered um, suffered quite quite significantly. Obviously, the further down the leagues you go, you can see that. Um, But in terms of the market, yeah, with less money around in general, it just means there are less deals to be done. So um, I think, yeah, we'll see less money changing hands. We'll see fewer players moving around. Um, And it will mean that, you know, the plans that clubs had before, their first choices or second choices or their kind of ideal scenario plans of what they wanted to do to their squads, it's going to be pretty much impossible for most clubs to do that. So it's going to be a case of, um, being being clever and being inventive when, with the deals that are done. Um, so with regards to Tottenham in particular, you know, obviously their, their stadium is the, the principal source of, of the revenue, um, or supposed to be when it was um, when it was built, and they haven't been able to use it, so that's obviously impacted them quite quite significantly. Um, but as you can see, they you know they've already done some business, so they're already looking to do to do those kinds of inventive deals I'm talking about, you know, more, we, we call them swap deals. You can call them a swap deal as a kind of shorthand way of, of explaining, but, um, but you know, the way that it really works is you have a player that a club wants. They have a player that you want. And what they will do is they will work out the valuations of those two players, or they will work out the difference in the valuations of those two players and then look to structure a deal that way. So that's what we've seen already with, with, uh, Pierre-Emil Højbjerg and, um, and Kyle Walker-Peters is a, just a question of discussing what their valuations are, what the difference is between the two valuations and and working out how, how that's going to be paid. So um, I think that is a good example of how clubs have been affected and the kinds of deals that most are going to be looking to do over the next two months. You know, I think we won't see too, ma- too many big deals and a lot of money changing hands, maybe one or two as I said, from the bigger clubs that can afford to do so. But everybody else will uh, will
2: be looking to be a bit more clever. Just to bring it on to Jose Mourinho, really. I mean, obviously, it's been a strange season for Spurs. He obviously arrived when we were 14th. Um, and then, of course, in between that, we've had lots of difficulties in terms of the season stop starting, uh, multiple injuries. So it's obviously been a, a difficult, t- difficult period for Jose Mourinho in that first season, um, but, but how would you say that he's kind of settled in at the club and, and kind of his relationship with Daniel Levy? How how do you think in, in these first months that he's been here, how do you feel as though he's settled in and that relationship with with everyone at the club, including the chairman? First of all, I think he's done a really good job, personally. Um, as you said, because
1: because of many of the difficulties that, that he's had, but I think just in, in terms of the general difficult situation that the squad and the club were in when he when he first came in, I mean, I think I said it in January that, we wouldn't really see, you know, Mourinho's Tottenham Mourinho's team until this coming season, until he'd had a had a, a full transfer window, summer transfer window, to to not only change around the squad how he wanted, but also work with them in, in a preseason. Now, I mean, obviously that's been disrupted in a way that we wouldn't have foreseen back in January because he's got less, you know, less to, less to play with in the in the transfer market, and also less time to prepare the team uh, um, as he as he would have wanted, or as any manager would have wanted. So. You know, that, that's, that's another, another difficulty. Um, but I think, I think he's done a really, really good job because the team were, were obviously suffering after the, the loss of the Champions League final and, uh, you know, not knowing if, if Mauricio wanted to be there or not and then him obviously leaving. And I think the the, the team really didn't know whether we were coming or going or what the future was going to hold. And I think he's he settled the team really, really well. I mean, it's taken some time and obviously certain players have settled into his way of doing things more than others, which I think you can see. A couple of better results against Sheffield United in particular, and you know the draw away at Bournemouth. I think had those been a little bit different, then you know Spurs would have been even closer to um, to where they would have wanted to be at the beginning of the season. So um, I think I think he's done a great job, and I think you can see he's um, he's settled in. I think you can see that he uh, he likes the club and the way the club works. And I've certainly not heard of any problems with, with with the chairman. So, obviously, we need to get through a transfer window and see what happens at the end of it and see how the team starts. But that, that'll be a good indicator of how things have gone.
0: That is the key, isn't it, Lyle? Like you said there, no problems at the moment. Let's get through the transfer window and see how we get on. I've been told that, that,
1: that Jose is, is, you know, that everybody at the club really enjoys working with him, that, you know, that he's, he's a relaxed... And, and very versatile and easy to get on with. I, I don't think he's making any kind of huge demands or or you know, rubbing up against people in the wrong way. at all quite quite the opposite from what I'm told, actually.
0: That is good to hear. Very, very good to hear. Listen, you want to hear that. Of course, Amazon awaits us. I'm sure we'll be referencing that a lot in these upcoming shows. And he's heavily, of course, as our head coach, featuring in that documentary. Lots of interviews one-on-one with him. And I think what would have pleased him, Lyle, because when we ever interview you, You know, we're always talking about when are Spurs going to make that first signing? When are we going to get that first over the line? But it's very weird in the last couple of of years, I want to say, or couple of seasons, that we've actually got one very much over the line fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. And for Spurs, we have secured the signing of Pierre-Emer Huberti. From Southampton, I'm trying my best to not butcher this name. Trying my very, very best. I hope I pronounced that okay. The Danish midfielder, as I said, a five-year contract completing a medical on Monday. He becomes Jose Munoz's first signing of the summer for Tottenham, joining him for a fee of around 15 million plus bonuses. Are we correct in saying, Lyle, from what we see and hear, this was Jose Munoz's priority number one target this summer?
1: Yes, I think you could see that with how, how... Quickly, they've done. They certainly prioritised it um, when the window opened. But uh, this is one that's been rumbling on since January. Um, we reported in January that they were interested, and in, that it in inquired, um, and that he was going to be a, t- a top target in the summer. Um, I think it, a, d- a deal in January was obviously impossible to do. I think don't think Southampton wanted to sell him at that point. So, um, yeah, we've obviously seen that he's been a priority because it's the first thing that they've gone and gone and done. And I think personally. 15 million quid plus bonuses i think it's a steal for a player of his age and his experience already and you know he, he's he's the ideal profile for the position that they want so i think you know all the ducks lined up um in a, in a row for this one um and it's it's a good piece of business early in the window i think
2: i definitely have to agree i'm a really big fan of hoy bien i think that definitely i think it's gonna be a great sign of the spurs i think the other one of course who went the opposite way in the end was carl walker peters um I think it was a it was a strange one. He obviously came in and and did very well for Southampton that second half of the year. Do you think the next year it's going to be a good signing for Southampton? You know, with that lack of a right back, do you think that's a good deal for all parties involved?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, obviously Kyle Walker-Peters is is in a position where he just needs to play. Um, he needs to play every week now. Uh, you know, he's he, he came in and did 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 had some good games for Tottenham, I think, and he struggled a little bit at the start when he first went to Southampton, I think, and they were a little bit unsure. Um, so. But yeah, like you said, since he came came back from the from the lockdown, he's been been very good for them and um, and, and proved to them that he was he was worth worth the permanent outlay for. So yeah, I mean he needs to play, so he'll play at Southampton. Um, he'll obviously compete with Jan Valery for that place, and I think he's more suited in terms of how he plays to the way Ralph Howes and Hootel wants to play. Um, you could say is perhaps a little bit more similar to Pochettino's style, especially in, in the fullbacks, you know, he likes very attacking fullbacks. Um, doesn't mind too much about the their physical stature being a little bit more slight or a little bit more smaller than than perhaps Mourinho. I think Mourinho prefers more of a bigger physical, more powerful player in that position. Um, and I think that's really what from what I'm told anyway, that's really what the situation is with the with the right-backs at Spurs As they want a, a bit of a different type of player to be playing in that position. A bit more of, of a player like Tanganga, I think, and what he showed that he can do in that position, but obviously someone who's a bit more further down the line than him. Um, so, you know, yeah, for, for Kyle Walker-Peters, he wouldn't have played at Spurs and, and it was time for him to to move on and, and, uh, and, and get games elsewhere. So, yeah, good move for him, I think. Good move all around for everyone.
0: Good, good. Lyle, as always, we ask listeners to get in touch with all their questions, so we're going to try our best to try and throw these in throughout the show, just so it doesn't feel like we're going too much off course. Gavin at Gavin Spurs says on the back of the signing of Hubert, please ask, Lyle, was Spurs so cautious in the market previously because of Pochettino, and was that also down to Daniel Levy? Do you think we'll now see a big change with Muno in charge in terms of being more pragmatic about targets and wanting to adapt his choices? What do you think?
1: There is obviously a difference in the in the the profile of player I think between what Mauricio Pochettino would have wanted than than what Jose Mourinho wants. Now I think I think Jose prefers uh, specialists, you know, people that can perform a particular role in his team um, and really match up to that to that profile. So Hojbjerg is obviously a great example because um, you know they they need that more, shall we say. Tough tackling, dynamic nuisance of a player in midfield. You know, someone who's going to be always there, biting the ankles of every player, winning back the ball. And he's got good passing range as well, and, and and he can get forward quite well as well. Hoybueg. He's really, you know, he's got a good engine, um, and I think he he's he's something that Spurs have probably not had since since Scott Parker really in that position. Um, and again, it's more that Mourinho type. Whereas Pochettino, I think. Was quite open to players who could play multiple positions. You know, players that were quite a bit more versatile, not necessarily specialists in one position. But um, so, in terms of you know the, the kind of the targets that they're going to they're going to have, obviously they're going to be different. Uh, I think Mourinho as well prefers generally generally bigger bigger players, more powerful players, more, uh, stronger players, especially defensively, rather than um, say your Juan Foyth type of defender who's a, a little bit less like that. So, I mean, yeah, you can you can compare Juan Foyt, for example, with one of one player that Spurs have been interested in, um, Kim In Jay, You know, the uh, the the Beijing Suning nicknamed the Monster. You know, that's a good example of somebody who perhaps Spurs would be more inclined to sign now, and with Mourinho as the manager, than they would have been for for Pochettino, who really liked his his centre backs to play out from the back. So, I, I hope that kind of answers the question in terms of the difference between the players um, that Spurs might now target under Mourinho from. From Pochettino, which is, I think is what the question was.
0: Yeah, Tell me I if think, I'm wrong. I think that's what Gavin is definitely alluding to, 100%. And I'll just one more before we switch back to talking about upcoming tr- transfer targets and priority players. This question is here from Cookie at Cookie8boy8. He says, hi guys, again, great shows recently. My question for lawe's would we be interested in any loan deals this summer as all our linked targets appear to be permanent ones or swap deals? No loans would be a surprise given our tight budget and also presumably means down to COVID. What's your thoughts, Lowell? Any chances of loans more than permanent signings this summer?
1: I'm not sure loans more than permanents. I think it depends on the player really. It depends on, on who they can get and what the deal looks like. Um, so, I mean, obviously they've shown that they're prepared to do loan deals now, like they did with uh, Giovanni Lo initially. And, um, and with Jedson Fernandez as well, obviously. So I think, yeah, don't rule out uh, you know loans coming in. It just depends on the, who the player is. We're in a situation really with Spurs now where um, it will depend on well, it will be depending on the similar situation that there was at Southampton, where Spurs have a player that a club likes and wants to sign, and perhaps then Spurs will look at whether that particular team has a player in their squad that they could. They would like to sign. So, you know, for example, and this is just purely an example. Um, so, you know, Man- um, AC Milan have some interest in Sergio. So, in theory, you know, AC Milan would express that interest, and Tottenham could say, "Okay, let's have a look at your squad and see if there's any players in there that we we would like to take." And that would be, you know, could be a completely different position that they want to take someone from. Um, so that's really work. And again, you know, they would they would they would do similarly to what they did with Hojbjerg and walker Peters, and then try discussing. The difference between the two, the two, um, the two valuations of the players, and, and see what they could do from there. So I think that's really what we're looking at in terms of the next couple of months and and what could emerge for Spurs is really, you know, what emerges in terms of interest in the players that they're willing to let go, and therefore what what emerges um,
2: from whichever club that is if there's something something that they've got that interests Spurs, if you see what I mean. I think one thing that a lot of people always say is um, when Spurs lost Moussa Dembélé, that's kind of been part of our reason for recent down, uh, our, our recent decline. Um, but one thing I'd suggest is Victor Wanyama was was definitely uh, a big part of why Spurs had been such a good team, and maybe his downturn in form, or you know the, the injuries that he picked up, was maybe to do with that. And I think that's one br- brilliant thing that why we've got finally gone and seemingly replaced him in Huy-Bier. Um So obviously, I think that for me, that was really the number one position to go and target this summer, that holding midfielder. Um, so it'd be really interesting to know, kind of now, where are our next positions, where where are kind of our priorities for the re- for the rest of the summer. I know there's you know still weaknesses in different areas. So yeah, it'd just be interested to know kind of where our next targets are now. Well, I think the right back situation is the one they will look at
1: next. Um, I, I think we've seen some rumblings of that already. Obviously, there's some names been flying around in the in the. In the media and and uh, there's obviously some interest in Serge Aurier as well from from AC Milan and from from Monaco as well I've been told so um I think that's that's the area they will look at next I'm told there's nothing close at the moment um they've got a few options I think um I'm told one domestically and and several abroad um so yeah for me in terms of my my work over the next um, the next few weeks and months is to obviously try and ascertain who those people are and um try and track how far down the line they get, get with those. Um, and then after that, I think they, they're open obviously to adding another centre back. So um, as I mentioned before, the, um, the South Korean uh, beijing Sonoba Guam was one that emerged a little bit earlier, but that's, that's gone away. Um, and then I think they'll they will look at backup strikers as well. Um, there's obviously been a few names that have been mentioned in the press like like Callum Wilson, uh, Milik at Napoli, Players like that, um, but I think further down the line, towards the end of the window, is um, is is the time for for that. There's a lot to, to change, a lot to happen, I think, in terms of setting the market for that position um, between now and then. That's another thing I should have mentioned earlier, really, with how the, how the market's changed. At the moment, there's been so few deals done, it's very difficult for clubs and agents to set valuations for players you kind of need that first deal to go through really for the for the for the market price to be set uh, in these circumstances because so much has changed so for example you've got a great one in in uh, Nathan Ake going to Manchester City you know now for 41 million pounds that is really where the market price is set for a centre-back of that quality so that means that all the other clubs and agents in their discussions over other centre-backs can use that as a sort of as a marker, as a as a as a as a linchpin, shall we say, for 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 the market value of a player like that. So it's like you know, if Nathan Ake is worth this much, then we can try and work out what what somebody of his similar stature, or somebody of his similar age, or even somebody who's older, would be worth in comparison to that. So obviously, we haven't seen a striker move yet. There's a few fees and, and valuations that are being being banded around. Callum Wilson, for example, there's there's plenty of information around there that he could be available for around 20 million. Um, but then you've also got Ollie Watkins coming up from the championship, who would be, you know, Brentford won in excess of 25 for him. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's, there'd be a lot of working out to do really as, as to who's worth more and who's not. I mean, Callum Wilson's obviously, you know, an experienced player in the Premier League, but he's older than, older than Watkins, been part of a relegated team, whereas Watkins is up and coming and part of a team that almost got promoted. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's still a lot to work out um, in the window um, before before we start getting to the stage where Spurs will be looking at, at the backup striker thing. So yeah, so right back, centre back, striker further down the line. I think is the way that um, the way I see it going.
0: Thank you, Lo, for being so concise in terms of those positions. We've got a question, Lo. We should ask you before we actually look at maybe clear players that Spurs might be looking to target. A really crucial point is, and it's one that I know has been raised on many different channels with many different people, is that our struggles with this kind of homegrown quota and how we really have to be careful now at Spurs with targets because we don't have the space in our squad to bring in the likes of three or four foreign players without selling others on first. How was Spurs dealing with trying to fit in within that really, really strict quota that we find ourselves in, Lyle?
1: It's not as much of an issue as it, as it might seem on the surface because Spurs have got to, to let players go to accrue funds anyway. So there's going to be spaces open up and there's going to be spaces open up for foreign players to come in because I think the most likely players to leave Spurs this summer are, are foreign players. You know, players like Aurier or Hanfoyth and things like that. Like You know, there aren't. Any homegrown players in the squad? I think that Spurs are would would would, would do a deal on now. I think it was only Kyle Walker Peters, maybe maybe Cameron Carter-Vickers as well, but obviously he hasn't been part of the squad for the last couple of years anyway. So I don't think it's too much of an issue because because you know they're going to be doing swaps and and yeah, if foreign players leave then there'll be spaces for foreign players to come in. So I don't think it's too much of an issue right now.
0: Absolutely perfect. Well, we are going to go for a very quick break, and when we return, we'll be speaking with Law about actual targeted players that Spurs might be looking for. So please do not go anywhere. We're talking actual transfer targets next. Hello and welcome back to the second half of the last word on Spurs. Joined by Jamie from the Daily Hotspur and the brilliant Lyle Thomas talking us through Tottenham Hotspur's potential transfer business this summer. I think it's so important to put that word potential just in case we don't want to get hopes too excited. But we expect more than just the one in so far. Lyle, we've had a whole host of questions coming to the show. I'm going to read some out just in terms of players that Spurs might be looking at. You were discussing right back beforehand, and also central defence. Zach at the THFC says, We keep hearing about multiple targets for right back, the likes of Aarons, Castagne, Selic. Are there any that we haven't heard about yet? And are we also planning in on bringing one, even if Sergio doesn't leave? If he does leave, are we looking for potentially two? Or is Tanganga going to cover that area? What's your thoughts on that, Lyle?
1: The Serge Aurier thing, I think, will uh, will affect things because if um, if he does leave, obviously they'll be looking for somebody first choice. They'll be looking for somebody more established, somebody more experienced, you know. Who and they'll obviously have a little bit more money to, to, to be able to put towards that, having sold um, Aurier. Um, if they don't sell Aurier, I think there might still be a chance that a backup could come in as well. Um, but it, again, it depends who, and it will obviously be a different sort of player from... Um, the player they would get if Aurier was to leave. So I think there is there is some effect that uh, the Aurier situation is going to have there. Um, so... Um, sorry, the first part of the question you asked me, is there any players out there that have not been mentioned yet? I mean, there. Are, listen, there are plenty of right-backs around that are being offered to Spurs. So, I mean, you know, I could go through who some of those are, but there's not really much point because at the moment it's finding out... What the club thinks of them, you know. Players are offered to clubs all the time. Uh, You know, obviously, clubs let let it be known to every intermediary that they work with what kind of positions they're looking for. So, you know, those intermediaries are always coming back with, "Oh, I can get you this guy. I'll get you that guy. What do you think of this guy?" Etc. Etc. So, yeah, there are a few others. Um, You mentioned Celic, uh, the Lille one. He's one they've looked at, uh, but how far that interest goes, I'm not so sure. I mean. it's, there's been a lot of rumours of Lille players and lots of links with Lille players with Spurs and I think there's an obvious reason for that which is obviously Jose's connections there with uh, with the sporting director and with his assistants having worked there before so I think that was always going to happen you're always going to see I mean we've seen Awesome and the striker uh, linked with Tottenham we've seen Gabriel the the, the centre-back linked with Tottenham um, and obviously Celic at the moment and you know Spurs have, have, have not actually been in and trying to do a deal for any of those so um, we'll probably see more more Leal players linked with Spurs. Um, who's the other ones you mentioned? Uh, Castagna, yeah, the Atalanta one. Atalanta one, he's he's really good. I, I'm a big fan of his personally. I think he's I think he's a good player. Um, and yeah, another one they would have they would have watched. Max Ahrens, I think, is is probably a bit more historic interest now. Uh, I think he's more the profile that that Pochettino would have wanted. I don't think he's um, the kind of player that that Mourinho wants. Again, like I said, somebody. He he'd like somebody a bit more powerful, physically bigger, stronger. I think than uh, than Aaron. So I wouldn't expect that one to be done either. And obviously Aaron's been part of a relegated team, so you know he's a good player, a good prospect. But um, you know I think I don't think he would be he would be first choice for Tottenham um, right now. Um, were there any other others mentioned that question or was that, that those well, are the three? There's one they?
0: player that this is from Yevez Mari Paul who says, Is there any chance, Lar, we can get the full back Emerson? He really is quality.
1: I'm not sure. I'm not aware of any interested in Emerson. Uh, I know Spurs have liked the other right back at or one of the other right backs at Barcelona, Semedo. Um, but I think he's he's in talks over a new contract at Barcelona and that might even be close to happening. So um but but he's an, he's an example of what I said before in terms of you know, if Aurier was to go, I think that would be the kind of level of player that they would look to bring in. Um, you know, Semedo wouldn't come in as a backup. He'd be coming as, as, as first choice. But um, I think he's close to another deal at Barca. So I, I don't expect that one to, to be happening either at the moment.
2: But Emerson, um, not, no, I'm, I'm not heard that personally. He's not a name that's been mentioned to me. Obviously, one target that I think we have mentioned before, just briefly on this show, um, and obviously in a position that you did say that Spurs could potentially target is Kim Min-jae. Mm. Um, I think it's a name that obviously a lot of people maybe might not know. Um, I mean, how strong is Spurs' interest in that? And is that a deal that, that is likely to happen this summer? I don't think so now. Um, he, he arrived late back from from, um, from
1: South Korea. So when the, um, back, into, back into China ahead of their new season or ahead of their return to training. Um, and I don't think it went down very well. Um, so any kind of hope of a move out of there at that point, I think was ended pretty abruptly, um, and they wanted him to stay and wanted him to play. So um, I think that one's gone away. Um, I think also the fact that that whole thing happened means that, in the, and how strongly they want him to stay means that the fee would be probably bigger than he's actually worth. So um, I'd be surprised if Tottenham um, went back for that now. But 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 let's see. Like we said, you know that, that is a position they will look at um, a bit further on the window. I think. Um, once the right-back situation is sorted.
2: One centre-back that might potentially be leaving the club, uh, Juan Foyt. Um, mm. You know, a guy that I, I rate very highly. I think he's got a lot of potential. But I think um, it was that game against Norwich where he made a bit of a, mis- he made a mistake. Um, mm. And then since then, we haven't really seen him at all for Spurs. Now, obviously, he's a guy with a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a shame to see him go, but it just doesn't seem like he's in Mourinho's he plans anymore. Um, so I guess the question is, is he a guy that, that you, you think will still be here this summer? I'd be surprised, to be honest, if he
1: if he was here. Again, he's in he's in a similar situation to Walker Peters, really, in that he needs to play. You know, he's at that age and uh, and that that kind of level where he needs to be playing games every week. Um, and I think you know when he was when he was signed, that was obviously the intention. I mean, I mean, Pochettino apparently is a massive fan of Juanfo. If he thinks that he's going to be a top top defender in the future. Um, but he needs to play and he needs to play under the right coach as well. You know, he, he was more of a of a of a Pochettino player, I think. You know, a ball playing centre and a half, not quite as physically um strong as, as some of the others, and certainly as physically as strong as the kind of centre backs that um, the Mourinho wants. So I mean he's no, he's nowhere near the size of Kim Jay, the monster, is he? I mean he's not as big as even Eric Dyer or, or, or Tanganga or or even Aldavyrod. So um, I think it's yeah, it's just a matter of, pro, of profile, really. He, he, I don't think he fits with the Mourinho profile. Um, and he needs to get out there and play under a different coach. So um, I think that's what, what we what we will see happen, if certainly if a, a buyer or a loan club emerges for him.
0: Lol, Jatink asks, is Ryan sitting on going on loan? And also, what is the situation with Danny Rose? We're going to try and like I say, cover up the, the full-backs before we move on to the midfield. Tell us your thoughts, Lyle, in terms of Ryan Session's future and also Danny Rose. Do you think he'll eventually leave Spurs permanently?
1: Danny will eventually relieve, relieve Spurs permanently. Yeah, I don't. Uh, he's, I just, yeah, I think it's impossible just to see him signing another contract, whether that will be this summer or, or next summer when his contract expires is, is kind of yet to be seen. Um, Ryan Session, again, another player who needs to play for me. Another player who was who is at that point in his career where he needs to play every week under the right coach, you know, in the right system, really to, to get the best out of him. Um, and again, a player that was signed or the Pochettino wanted of a repeated transfer windows. Um, and so one, that is a little bit more clouded to see how or if he will fit into the, um, into the Mourinho structure, but apparently Mourinho wants to keep it. Mourinho really likes him. So, um, Yeah. A good question. There's obviously going to be a lot of interest in Cessoyon. You know, he's, he was one of the, the most highly rated teenagers at youth level uh, around Europe. You know, everybody knew Cessoyon's name. Everybody went to watch him. I mean, obviously, uh, I reported a bit earlier in the window about Barcelona's um, perceptions and of admirations for Cessoyon. You know, they had scouts watching Cessoyon. In Fulham's promotion season, um, not obviously not this last season, the, the time when he was he'd really broken through into that into that Fulham team. You know they had scouts at Craven Cottage watching him. They had scouts at Wembley for the playoff final um, watching him. Then so there's going to be an abundance of interest in 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 Sessingham, especially from certain teams that play a certain way, like Ajax and, and Barcelona. But um, yeah,
2: an interesting one. An interesting one to see play out over the next couple of months. I think it's really important that Session does get that game time. Um, but, of course, if you look at the Premier League fixture schedule uh, that's come out and then, of course, the, all the cup competitions, I think that, um, yes, he does need to play, but I think also Spurs probably do need that depth. Um, but just bringing it on to kind of the other side, uh, the other fullback on the other side, uh, Serge Joria, of course, as you mentioned, there is interest uh, from other clubs. Uh, like AC Milan and know AC Milan have been strongly linked um, he's had a mixed season he's obviously put up some good numbers um, but I think he's kind of a guy that I think most Spurs fans would be happy to let go um, do you think that that's a, a deal when, uh, a deal that might go through uh, Sergio leaving Spurs this summer? I think if they get the valuation for him then 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 yes
1: they're open to that um, but the kind of numbers that have been, been banded around I think in the media so far are not quite accurate from what I've been told Um, So, and again it it will depend on which club as well as I mentioned before if there's a a prospective buyer for Aurier and they have a player in their squad that's of interest to Tottenham um, then then it might be something that's a little bit more manageable shall we say for the the buying club for Aurier to to do so I think that's what we need to see uh, play out next Uh, as I said before the only two clubs at the moment that I know are are definitely interested in
2: Aurier are AC Milan and Monaco Mm. And, and just, to, just to bring up a target for a, ta- a potential target for Spurs uh, from another Milan club into Milan, uh, Milan Scirea is obviously a guy that has been linked. Now, obviously, there has been talk about a play I'm sure we will get onto in a minute in Tongi and Donvale and potential swap deal. Um, but Milan Scirea, obviously, uh, I think he's 25 years old. He's uh, I think he's been linked with a lot of top clubs in the past, and he is seen as a top defender around Europe. Um, link with Spurs, I mean, it'd be quite interesting uh, to get what what your what your understanding is on Spurs' interest in that sort of deal, and whether that's a potential player that we might see at Spurs this summer. Well, Screenyard
1: well, for me is is exceptional. I, I really think he's he's a top defender, um, and he's kind of in his prime as well. Well, in his prime, he could he could get he could get better, but he he he's already consistently very very good in the Italian league um, over a couple of seasons now. Um, he was the one that um, Man City actually wanted before they signed uh, Laporte, is what I've been told. Um, but I think the deal was too expensive for them at that stage, and, and Laporte was a bit more affordable, um, so they did that one. But Skriniar, yeah, is 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 really good. I think that that name has emerged because Inter have some interest in in Ndombélé, um, and I think again it's, this ties into what I was saying before in terms of uh, Spurs, you know, exploring, you know, which. Players in that particular team that's a, you know the prospective buyer or at least interested in signing a Tottenham player have that are of interest to them. So you know, Screenyall would be would be a great great player to bring in. Somebody that, that would cost far too much money if you were to pay for him up front this summer. But um, if other players were involved, you know, it might be a bit more manageable. But unfortunately, with regards to that, I've been told repeatedly that Tottenham don't want to sell them Donnelly, uh, especially the chairman. Uh, they've obviously made a considerable investment in him um, and they still see him as as being a top talent in the future somebody with loads of potential and somebody that could be a really important player for the squad Um, and personally I I can see that as well I think I do think Ndombele is is still going to be an exceptional talent you know it would be it wouldn't surprise me if if he moved on somewhere that he would become a a top talent somewhere else and (laughs) And, you know, everybody would be, the Spurs fans would be kind
0: of so cursing him. Really. So spot you know on, I mean? You're so spot on. I mean, so, I've, man, I've been saying this, banging this drum, but I've got to say it's for the last kind of six months. And listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Undombele has been perfect the way he's been, in, you know, in terms of maybe his application and effort. But I do think, and it sounds like you're on the same lines as me, Lo, I think it will go on to a Real Madrid, a Barcelona, a Bayern Munich, and he will go there and absolutely tear it up. I just think the guy's got all the ability in the world. But is it a case, low, of just... Mourinho being a bit more adaptable to to managing him because we've seen it before with the likes of Salah, De Bruyne, that you know we've seen him let gems go in the past. Do you think that relationship will tell us what is that relationship like now with Mourinho and Undombele?
1: I think we talked about it a little bit before didn't we? I'm not sure back in the last podcast. I think I remember talking about did. it a little bit. You did. But, yeah. Uh, I, think, I think I think Jose's so it Looks like he's trying really, really hard to get the best out of him. I mean, obviously they got spotted training one on one, didn't they, in the in some park in Barnet or something in the early part of the lockdown. And I think that was a, that was an, an example of how uh, how hard he's trying to work with Ndombele to get him to get him um, feeling more settled, more probably more appreciated, and also more um, yeah more settled at Tottenham. I think you have to look at the season that Ndombele's had and the the general disruption that's gone on since he came in I mean obviously he came in under Pochettino expecting to play for play for Pochettino and uh, and you know be part of a team that was going to kick on and they had a bad start and they lost the manager and then he had to adapt to a new manager and who wants things being done a little bit differently and you know it's very rare that a new manager comes in and every player in the squad is happy with how they do things or happy with, you know, sometimes people just clash or sometimes people don't agree with methods or they don't agree with the, with the tactics or they don't agree with the way they want to do things. So it, sometimes it can be a matter of potluck really, which player or players in a squad have the personalities that, that don't match or don't see, see things the same way. So, but I think, Going back to the question, yeah, that that Mourinho is trying really, really hard with him, from what I can tell, and um, and yeah, he's been, has been a little bit um, a little bit unsettled and considering his future. I reported that earlier in the summer, but um, but the club want him to stay. They all want him to stay they want him to crack on. So I, I still think he'll be a Tottenham player come the start of the season, and and yeah, and one that I hope we can see the best of next season, really, because I think he can be a real, real, real quality player.
0: Lol, so just some questions in. You've mentioned already about Skriniar, but these ones are kind of around Undumbele and any potential swap deal, which I think you can now kind of firmly rule out. So Luca at THSC Luca says, Is there any way then that we can get Skriniar without swapping Undumbele? From what you say there, it seems like that's a possibility where if Spurs want the player and they're firmly insistent Undumbele's is going nowhere, then that could mean a possible deal to be done in terms of Screen Yard just alone by himself. That's also another question. Um, that's the same question being asked also here. By let me find out who this is from. Two Ross Free also asking that same question.
1: No, I think I think Screen will be too expensive to spend
2: outright in this. Right. Pondo. Okay. I'm talking about the money for that. So just one question I wanted to ask on Undone Ballet. of course, um, in Italy, and reports in Italy and France are all kind of insistent that into uh, that. Uh, the player does want to leave and there is kind of that interest from Inter Milan. Do you, do you kind of get the sense that maybe the people around Ndombele have been quite unsettling for him? Is that is there any suggestions that that might be the case? Not from what I've been told, no. Not from what
1: I can tell. No, no. No, I mean, he's 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 been a little bit unsettled by things and been considering his future um, That's as far as he's gone, but I don't think he's as strong as him wanting to leave, you know. I don't think he's gone quite that far from what I've been told. And, you know, I'm not going to, um, it's not for me to to rubbish the reports of other um,
2: other news organisations everywhere else, but I can just tell you that that's what I've been told. Mm. Yeah, and I guess, uh, obviously, another central midfielder now, I'm not sure how much, obviously, it was a story that did break and it's only one report, um, it's Harry Winks, he was obviously linked with a move to Manchester City. Mm. Um, is, do you have any sort of understanding of, of a move like that? And is, is Winks maybe a player that spurs will want to keep or is he a guy that Spurs maybe might see as a chance to cash in on? It was, obviously, you did say about, um, you know, we obviously need to sell to, to bring new players in. Is he a player that Spurs maybe might look to cash in on? I don't think so. I mean, I was quite surprised to see that report, to be honest, because Winks is not a name that's come up with me
1: in any conversations I've had this summer as being somebody that either wants to leave or somebody that Spurs would be open to selling either. So I was quite surprised to see it. Um, he played a lot under Mourinho. You know, he was first choice um for for, yeah the back end of the season wasn't he and did really really well so I'd be very very surprised um by that and Winks is is almost like Harry Kane in being Mr Tottenham isn't he you know he's a Tottenham fan his family are Tottenham fans he came through the academy you know he's loved the club and loves the club um so I mean obviously he wants to play and and um but I think he I think he could still play personally with with Hoyberg I don't see them as the same sort of player at all. Um, I think Hoyberg is, is is a more defensive midfield um, tackling sort of player ball winner um and, and you know Winks is obviously more of a that sort of deep lying playmaker type who I expect to sit sit alongside him and and, um, and 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 play. So yeah I think yeah Hoyberg came in as a replacement in that position for for um Dier really because Dyer and Sissoko were the two the two sort of positional defensive midfield midfielders under Mourinho for the for for the last for the back end of the season, and obviously I think Dyer struggled in that position, and I think he and everybody else has, has realised that he's a centre back and he will be a centre back going forward, and that's where they've moved him to. So they they always needed a player in that position. There was always a space, and I don't think Hoybjerg's arrival presents any immediate dangers for for Winks.
0: Talking there, Lyle, about Hoybier again. Just a question, really. I mean, we've said again this from kind of many different news outlets and this is why we love having your opinion on it because you've always, I thought, always given us kind of, you know, where things are on the basis of from your understanding. Now, again, we've heard that Spurs midfielders, the likes of Oliver Skip and Jamie Bowden want to be loaned out after the signing of the Dane because they both feel at the moment that they've kind of outgrown new football and they want to develop with senior match experience. Now, of course, I know we've got Europa League. I know we've got a lot of games sandwiched in next season. But do you think Skippy and Bowden, are those two that you could see Mourinho allowing to go out on loan to get some regular first-team football?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's another difference between Pochettino and Mourinho. Uh, Pochettino always liked to have his youth players closer to him. I think he I think he felt that they would always they could learn more from being in and around his first team and his setup because it's so specific. Um, that they they were always very reluctant to let players go out on loan. Whereas I think there's more more openness from Mourinho, and I think he sees the value in in them going out and playing first team games elsewhere once they have outgrown that youth that youth um, level. I mean, Skip Skip's shown some some promise, um, so I think it, now is an ideal time really for him to go out and um, get a full season under his belt at another Premier League club. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a there's a few out there they could go to. Obviously, Fulham have been mentioned. And he's got that Scott Parker link. Um, so that could be one uh, for him Jamie Bowden I'm not sure he's, he's one that I don't know um, as much about obviously because he's not been around the first team squad but, but yeah
2: as I said there's, there's definitely I think a slight uh, more openness for Spurs to be learning out the youngsters now there's three championship targets that I just wanted to kind of briefly discuss and I think they're, they're three really big talents um, they're all relatively young I mean I say champ, all championship ta- targets I mean David Brooks course one um, obviously had a difficult season with Bournemouth I think he got injured this year um, but in that first breakup year he was really good um, and of course now Bournemouth in the championship I think two others which are is a from uh, QPR who I think is another very big talent um, and then of course the other ones uh, Ben Rama who of course was very unlucky not to be a Premier League player with Brentford after with their you know their, their stuff in the playoffs um, are those maybe three players? Then and, and that kind of that level is those a level that Spurs might try to target um, this summer? I, d- I don't think so. To be honest, the, 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 certainly
1: for, from first first point of view, it's not a position that they're looking to to do anything in. Um, you know, they've got an abundance of attacking midfielders, wide players to choose from at the moment. You know, if if one was to go, then possibly. But again, I think it's going to be more the kind of deals I was talking about before where. You know, you need a buyer to come and fire to come and buy a, an attacking player, and they have somebody that might have been interested with in Spurs. You know, um, Eze Rama. I mean, Eze has got a lot of interest around there. There are clubs that are much further down the line. Um, obviously, West Ham being one. Palace have bid for him, um, so I think it's more like he would go there. And and they, you know, he needs to go somewhere like Ben Rama as well, really, where they want to go somewhere they're going to play. Um, and I don't think they were going to be first choice. For Tottenham, I don't think they're going to be getting in there over the likes of Son or Lucas Moura or you know, Stephen Bergwijn. So, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't think Spurs are targeting these players at the moment. Um, they obviously like Eze. There's, there's the connections there between between the Spurs between Les, Les Ferdinand, obviously, and and, and people of Spurs and and things like that. But no, I don't see Eze signing for Spurs this summer. I don't see Brooks or Ben Rama going there either. Um, Because, again, I mean, Ben Rama, you're looking at in excess of £25 outlay on him. Brooks could be around the same. Um, So it's not the kind of money that Spurs are going to shell out on a position that they don't need.
0: I know creativity is one of those things that as Spurs fans, we always crave. And although we've got players in the squad that clearly can do that for us, I think, again, we've had players being linked previously that have kind of come back on the radar again. The likes of Nicolo Zanio, Jack Grealish, Leon Bailey, these find... I say, well, these players, they seem to come round every single summer. And again, I suppose, I mm-hmm. just want to find out from you, really, from your understanding, anything a Spurs, again, looking at these players, being they're clearly being linked with them. But just how reliable are those links at the moment for those three players?
1: Well, again, you're looking at players that if you wanted to buy them outright, would just cost far too much money, more more money than Spurs can afford to spend this summer. So Jack Grealish, you know, Villa won 80 million for him. That's not a deal that Spurs are going to do, especially for for a position that they don't need anybody in. You know, they've got they've got a Chelsea in that position. You know? They've got. Um, Ali in that position, who can play that sort of 8 10 as well. So, you know, there's an abundance of attacking players that Spurs have already got. And also, I think that, you know, you only have to look at the season that Spurs have had, and actually, attacking wise, the, the team hasn't had a problem. They didn't have a, really have a problem under, under Pochettino, and they certainly have a, haven't had a problem scoring goals under Mourinho. Quite the opposite, actually. You know, the issue has been defensively. They've, they've just let silly, stupid goals in, really quite amateur goals in at times. So that's the area where they're they're, they're trying to sort. Um, Obviously with Hojbjerg, defensive midfielder and the right-back and the centre-back and then, like I said, maybe a a backup striker further down the line. These sort of attacking, these wingers, these eight-tens are not not positions that Spurs um, are looking to do as far as I know. And also... um, they don't, you know, they don't really need. And we're like, like we've covered, we're in a position with COVID 19 and the financial impact where that kind of huge dissection of a squad of a squad just isn't possible this summer. So, I mean, yeah, Zaniolo, they've looked at. He's a really good young player, you know, a real talented one. So is Grealish. So is Bailey. Um, but no, can't see them coming to Tottenham this summer.
2: I can kind of guess what my, the answer to this question might be. Um, of course, you just I mentioned there about adding maybe another, another 10. Um, I know it's a guy that a lot of people might want us to ask you about is Philippe Coutinho. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you know, Barcelona have got a, a player they want to try and move on and I'm sure they'll want some sort of um, package for him just to try and recoup some money back. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk. Maybe it would still cost around about 30 million pounds in all, including maybe a loan fee, and um, mm-hmm. then wages—is that a player that Spurs that might come to Spurs this summer? I, I think
1: you've answered your own question there, really, with a thirty million pound loan package. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Coutinho, like you said, he's, hes I mean, his wages are huge. Um, if you wanted to buy him, it would cost a lot of money, and yeah, the, and the loan fee is going to be big as well
2: because of that too. So, just too too much of a financial outlay for a player that. Spurs don't need. Another player that had been linked, and it was obviously a, it was a strange one, given his um, Arsenal connection, or currently playing at Arsenal, was Ainsley the niles That was obviously mm. a thing. A lot of people found that quite a strange link. Um, mm. Again, he's a guy that Arsenal were trying to look to move on. Um, I mean, it would be very difficult to kind of see those two clubs, Tottenham and Arsenal, working together to try and get a deal done. Is mm. that something that, that might happen this summer? Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The mainland Niles
1: one. Because, I mean, if you just put aside the fact that he plays for Arsenal for a moment and look at his profile as a player, is he the kind of right-back? Well, firstly, he's a right-back, which Tottenham do mm. want to sign. And is he is he the right profile? Uh, and I think he is. So I wasn't hugely surprised to see that name emerge. Um, but obviously, yeah, doing doing deals with Arsenal and, and their arch-rivals is... Um, mm. Presents its own its own issues, um, and also, I mean, you 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 tell me, you guys are the, are the Tottenham fans. How would you feel about signing an Arsenal player like maitland
0: Niles? I, I don't mind yeah. if it would be I a mean, Yang or Lacazette, but I'm not too sure, though, if, if yeah. he's going to really improve us. That's the that's the big thing. I mean, Jason mentioned in one of our last shows that I'm all for you know bringing players from whatever team, even if it's Arsenal, if they're going to improve our squad. But I look at maitland Niles, and I'm just not quite sure. Is he a player that's going to take us to that next level? What do you reckon, Jay?
2: Yeah. Well, I think the other thing as well is um, I mentioned I was I thought that Carl Walker Peters did really well, and it will be interesting to kind of see you know is that something that might come to to haunt us in the in the future? And I just wonder whether is Carl Walker Peters better than Ainsley Mate than Niles? And that would be where it would be a bit disappointing if we potentially were to get rid of Walker Peters and then bring in someone who's not quite as good because um, I, I just think that Carl Walker Peters is probably at a better level at this moment in time than Ainsley Mate than Niles. I think maybe one thing that it does do is obviously it does tick that homegrown quota. Um, he is a guy that can play in different positions. So that's obviously a, a, an important thing. Um, just for me, I just don't quite think he's at that level that, that Spurs really want to be at. Um, so I, for me personally, I'd rather we would go and target another a right back of, 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 of someone who's of better quality. Another target, um, uh, you know, a winger from Watford I think he's had a a, a decent year at Watford I mean despite them going down um, Ismail Assar I think he's a very big talent of course I think he's young as well he's 21-22 I'm sure there'll be a lot of Premier League clubs interested in him is he a a player that might end up at Spurs this summer
1: again I don't think so he's obviously that winger type and you Mm. know he'll cost money even though they've been relegated good money Um, so again no don't see him at Tottenham not this summer (laughs)
0: There you go. Law was always, if you when you know, Spurs are not interested. Law makes it very, very clear it's, it's not going to happen. So thanks, Law, again for kind of you know letting us know very clearly that's not going to happen. We are going to go for our final break of the show, and when we return, we're going to be putting our mind and focus into the attackers of Tottenham because we haven't got enough wingers or attackers. So do not go anywhere. We are back after this oh. final break. Hello and welcome to the third and final part of the last word on Spurs with the brilliant. Lyle Thomas from Sky Sports, who always finds the time to come on The Last Word on Spurs and gives us the lowdown and the insight into Spurs' transfer business. And also pleased to have alongside me, Jamie from the Daily Hotspur, our transfer guru, who he loves talking transfers. And we've got the man here, Lyle Thomas, telling us what's happening with Tottenham Summer. Lyle, I have to ask you about this name. Uh, Not because I genuinely think it can happen, but more because we get the same listener question in every single summer since you've been on the show. Gareth Bale. The year's 2029, 20, 40 years old, and we're still being linked with Gareth Bale. Yes, he's on, I think, a reported 625,000 a week wages in Madrid. More than three times Harry Kane's salary. So the question is, Lowell, when's the medical?
1: <laughs> very good. Very, very good. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are comfortable enough with me now you can start firing joke questions. Definitely, at me. mate. Really well, good. we tried to. We've got to be now. <laughs> yeah, Gareth Bale. Oh cool Listen, all I say about Gareth Bale is I just think he should be playing. I think it's really, really uh, sad to see him not playing uh, every week because he's such a talented player. You know, you talk about the best players in the world over generations, and you know how much you would have loved to have seen this guy and that guy. I mean, most of us are probably very fortunate that we have seen Bale uh, play in the flesh. But you know, imagine this was you know Messi, for example, whose whose final years. Were you know being spent on the bench, you'd think, well, what a waste, because well, wouldn't I've loved to have seen Lionel or Messi. So there's probably kids out there, and uh, you know I would have loved to have seen Gareth Bale play, and they can't see Gareth Bale play. So I just think it's sad that he's not that he's not playing. It's a sad situation, really.
2: I think when you said David Brooks isn't someone that Spurs going to afford, I think um, that mm-hmm. does instantly rule out a, a move for someone like Gareth Bale. But yeah I, I, yeah, I definitely agree. It's such a shame to kind of see. Um, where his career has gone and just not been able to play those games. Because mm. you still feel as though he's kind of at that point in his career where he is still more than capable of, of going to a club. like I, I really think that if he was to come to Spurs right now, he has that talent uh, to to go and really push us and make us title challengers. And it, it is really disappointing to kind of see him waste that talent um, mm. at Real Madrid. Mm. Yeah, just, I agree. Just,
0: just a question on Bale. Um, well, more of a statement, really. This is from Craig Silver at Craig Silver Real. He says, If Gareth Bale had one bit of career ambition left after winning almost everything, why wouldn't he want to return to a club who worships him and, more importantly, bring trophies back to Spurs? Lol, just quickly, if, for example, I know I'm talking very hypothetically here, if it's a case of where Madrid would cover all of those wages, which I just can't see them doing, and Bale, you know had the option of coming back to Spurs. Do you think he would want to? Or do you just think it's just a complete no-go for all of the reasons as, as explained you've said about Bale?
1: I, I honestly have no idea what he wants, to be honest. I have no idea. Uh, I mean, other than, well, doing what he's doing at the moment, which is staying at, staying at Real Madrid and staying on the, co- the contract that he's on. Um, I mean, I don't know whether part of his thinking is is how you know volatile things can be at Real Madrid at times and how quickly coaches could change and... You know, I think perhaps when when uh, Zidane left the first time, that he probably probably hoped and expected that he would have more game time under in, under whoever it, you know whoever came in next. Whereas, obviously now Zidane's back, and that relationship is is what it is, and he's uh, he's not in the team. So, uh, I mean, this is, uh, he's he's done everything, he's won everything that a player could want to win. Um, so, I guess now it, it should really be for him a point of what. Yeah, what does he want to do? Where, where you know, for his for his own for his own heart and for his own final years of his career. You know, how does he see what, How does he see it going? I really don't know. I really, really don't know and can't really speculate on on what goes on in, in Gareth Bale's Bale's mind. Yeah, look, I'm
2: I'm going to bring the mood down a bit now. I'm going to go from Gareth Bale to Troy Deeney. Um, <laughs> quite a contrast. Quite a contrast in in quality of play. But I think, look, I think obviously <clears throat> striker is definitely an area. Uh, that Spurs need to go and target this summer. Of course, we've gone so long without just just having Harry Kane. And I think, you know, you look at the injuries that he has picked up over recent years. It's certainly a guy that we need to try and get in some backup for him so that he has that chance to rest. I think that a lot of his injuries have come from being overworked and overused. Um, now, obviously, two players that we have been linked with. Um, and they're very interesting links because I think that one thing that I want Spurs to go and do is go and get some players that will hit the ground running I think we we saw last summer we signed Session, the and and Dombele, three top young players. But I think three players that weren't really, you know, they, they just didn't hit the ground running for Spurs. And that has been a frustration. But the two players we have been linked with, uh, Dini and, and, and uh, Callum Wilson, obviously both have a lot of Premier League experience and and you'd think that they would come in and maybe hit the ground running. Are those two players that Spurs are kind of looking at and are they deals that kind of likely? Wilson is definitely one they're looking at. Yeah, they they like him. Um,
1: Again, like I said before, I think it would be something that would, would be a bit more likely to emerge further down the line towards the end of the window. I think there will be others that they will try for first. Uh, Deeni, I'm not so sure about. Um, I don't know. I don't know that one. I, I think Dini um, is a name that kind of has cropped up over a few transfer windows as Watford have been struggling over the last few years. Um, but I think it's more a case of him being offered by intermediaries to other clubs. Um, how much or if any Spurs interest there is in Dini I, I don't know. I haven't been told that there is yet. So, um, but again, further down towards the end of the window, let's um, let's see where we are then.
0: And Lowell, just to kind of ask you again about players that have been on our radar for, again, the last, I mean, two or three years, the same names kind of crop up, the likes of Milik, who you've mentioned, and also Wilfred Zahar, just to kind of get those names out there and just kind of understand from your perspective, if you're, again, Spurs, if there's any interest being shown in those players. Well, Milik, they
1: like Milik in a similar way to um, to Wilson, I think. Um, But again, with Milik, uh, I think it would be a case of... Which players have Tottenham got that Napoli would be interested? Do you know what I mean? As I mentioned before, that that more of that kind of swap deal scenario. Um, Milik, they did they had a look at Milik as well when he left Ajax and went to Napoli. Um, they were looking at him, but um, I think I think at the time I remember um, there had been a bit of a reluctance on Milik's part as well to be a backup to Kane because uh, I think Milik will want to play as well. So that's we've spoken about that in previous transfer windows so many times. It's that sell that that hard sale. You know, which striker's going to come in and be okay with with playing second fiddle to, to Harry Kane, um, and and always knowing really that when Kane's fit, Kane's Kane plays, um, and that's still the same case really. That's still that's still part of the sell um, to try and get someone in. So, Zahar uh, I, I mean, I really like Zahar I think I've said again this in previous podcasts. I think Zahar would be a great asset for Tottenham, um, but again, big transfer fee. The end. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So another striker target, obviously Spurs have been linked with. I mean, it's not, not, I haven't seen many great links in terms of that, but Ollie Watkins, a uh, guy from Brentford, um, obviously he's done very well this season. I think he scored 26 goals in all competitions. So he's obviously had a fantastic year, guy that's still young, 24, 25. Um, so he's of a decent age. Um, is that a player that Spurs might be looking at? Again, he's he's been, he's an, a name that's been put to them. Um how
1: much there is interest, interest there is from from Spurs and from Mourinho in particular, I don't know at this stage. But let me put this on the record now. I think Watkins will be a top top player. I've watched him a lot. Brentford is a club that I cover a lot. Um, I've interviewed him a couple of times. Great guy, really good guy, good personality, um, intelligent guy as well, uh, especially for for someone so young. You know, he gets the game. He gets. He's, he's very adaptable. Um, I mean, I, I think that whichever club snaps him up now for 20, 25, well, 25 million quid in excess of is what they want. Even even a deal starting at 20, rising to 25 or above, I think would be an absolute steal for him. Um, he's young and English. I, you know, he could get in the England team. Um, mm-hmm. That would be the one for me <laughs> if I was a sporting director mm-hmm. would, at any club. Um, he would be the one that I would um, that I would snap up.
0: And, last, finally, on the Strikers, because it feels like an achievement we've got through the list of all the players you've written down. I think over 30, 40 names that we've compiled and thrown at you, um, just asking you about their future. So the last two you'll be pleased to know before we just... Go ahead and ask you some listener questions.
1: Habib Diallo and Vedat Mariki.
0: Are they potential targets? What do you see? Because obviously these names again are kind of coming up, and the, in terms of reliability, we don't really know how 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 really strong Spurs' interest is on those players. Habib Diallo,
1: I don't, I don't know. It's not one that's been mentioned to me. I think Mariki Mariki they watched Mariki. I don't know. I don't know how whether there's some actual credible interest in Mariki. I think he's just a player that they scouted. Um, yeah, they're, they're not really players that I'm aware of of, of being genuine targets for Tottenham. At this stage,
2: anyway. One thing we did is when we we tweeted out asking for questions. Um, a guy whose name cropped up, um, as always, uh, was Paulo Um Of course, the guy Spurs were linked with last summer. Um, now, of course, there have been reports that um, Juventus are perhaps willing to let let him go. Is that at all a guy that might potentially Spurs might try and go back in for? I know. Obviously, with the financial situation, it, that's a huge deal to try and get done. But is there any chance uh, that Paolo D'Ambala might be at Spurs uh, this summer? I don't think so. No, it's a answer. That, that response, answer. That <laughs> response <Absolutely>.
1: brilliant. There's <laughs> <laughs> a big, big, big transfer fee if yeah. you want to buy him. Not aware that Juventus have any interest really in, in any Spurs players that could get them close to that. A, a difference in valuation that would be, be something they could they could meet. And again, not a name that's cropped up in any of the conversations that I've had. So
0: That was the quickest shutdown, Lyle, I think you've done so far on this show. That was, I think that was under 0.5 seconds. That must be a record. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's,
1: let's get to some of the next names and I'll try and do them quicker.
0: Okay, mate, brilliant. Uh, right, <laughs> Let's have a look. Well, I've got a load of listener questions in here. I know Jay's going to ask you a couple more as well. Um, okay, so Charles picked and asked, is a deal achievable? I think by Lyle's response there, you kind of gauge where Lyle's at in terms of that either ever been a possibility at Tottenham. Gavin Spurs says, would Spurs consider going in for Pereira? Uh, obviously, Leicester right back uh, been really, really well there. Again, I know, Lo, I think you was on here um, telling us at the time Spurs were maybe had some interest in him even before Leicester got to mm-hmm. him. So there's that one there in terms of Pereira. And also, uh, B-Ray Houndill says, is there any truth in the rumours linking us? And I haven't seen this name. Um, so again, this might be news. Um, Robin Koch. So Robin Koch, Pereira. What's the chances, Lowell, on those two?
1: Robin Koch? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think he's quite ready for that level. Um, Pereira, yeah, we spoke about Pereira before. Again, he's Leicester's first choice right back and they're playing in Champions League football next season, so there's no, there's no chance he'll stay. Uh, so there's, there's no chance he'll move. He'll, he will stay. Um, but he's <clears throat> he's the one that Tottenham looked at doing before they signed Oreo uh, signed from Porto. But Porto sold, I think they were looking at it, when Porto needed to, to accrue some yeah, this is what I was told. Porto needed some money at that particular time. And then Porto sold two players, I think, in the meantime. Uh, was it one of them I can't remember the guy's name now. They sold they sold somebody for quite a big fee to an Italian club. And then and then Porto in a situation where they didn't need didn't need to sell as quickly. So the valuation of Pereira went up at that point. Um and I suppose moved on to somebody else, moved on to Sergio and signed him instead. Um, great player though. Pereira, really, really good. I think he, in terms of profile, he'd be, he'd be ideal. But Yeah,
2: cracking plan. He'll be staying at Leicester and play Champions League football for him next season.
0: Hmm.
2: You, just, just on a potential departure at Spurs, um, of course, a Spurs forward um, that Mourinho does seem to really like, actually. And I think that he did, you know, he came off the bench a couple of times and had a decent impact. But again, hmm. you know, you, you, as you said earlier, you know, Spurs do need to try and move some players on. Um, of course, we've got to try and move players on also for that homegrown quota, not just to also uh, raise funds. And that is Eric Lamella. Um, as I mentioned, I think he is a guy that Jose Mourinho does seem to like. He does seem to like that work, work ethic that, that, that Lamella has. But is he a guy that, that Spurs are looking to potentially cash in on? And is that a deal that's possible? I think it depends on
1: what the offer would be. I mean, he's obviously been in the club for quite a long time now, since 20, 2013. So he's been there for seven years, hasn't he? And um... You know, he's had, he's had fits and starts of being very good, but obviously had injuries at the same time. So I think he fits into that into that criteria I said uh, before, really, in terms of, you know, if, if a buyer emerges for him and, and that particular buyer, they have a player that Spurs would like to sign who would, who would you know, bolster the squad in a position that they're looking to, to fill, then there might be something that could, um, that could transpire. But um, yeah, that's where I see that, Eric Lemer in particular.
0: And low any players just very quickly in terms of departures. Anyone that we haven't mentioned that could be leaving the club. I know we've kind of done the youth. Anyone else at all around? I don't want to say dare. I say the first team squad. Anyone you can see as a shock departure? Let me throw you a name. Deli Ali, for example. I mean, listen, Deli Ali's been always part of our weekly debates on this show. I think many of us, listen, we, we all believe Ali's got the potential. We keep saying this word potential, but he's kind of 24, 25 now, and it's like, when are we going to see the finished product? Is there anyone you could see at that first team being sold to sacrifice as what Spurs fans call this rebuild? Anyone we should be worried about at all?
1: I don't think so, no. There's no names that come up to me, um, you know. I would. I would be surprised to see a big player leave. It'd have to be a, a, a really good price and a, a big, a big amount of money that they could invest elsewhere. I think for them to consider it. But no, I'm not aware of anyone. No, no. To keep, yeah. To keep the question. To keep it. Keep a short answer to the question. No. There's just not enough with COVID nineteen and everything. There's just not enough versatility to be able to make
2: such drastic changes. You know, you don't want to lose a top player and then not be able to replace him. Just to bring it on to another subject, I think a guy, um, it, it was, he was obviously linked as soon as Jose Mourinho came into the club. Um, and that, of course, was Louis Campos from Lille. Now, I know, obviously, they have a, a very good relationship. Um, having worked I think they worked together at Real Madrid, I think I'm right in saying. Um, and then, of course, I think they have remained good friends ever since. Um, now, I know, obviously, he's done a fantastic job with Monaco. He did a fantastic job. He's doing a fantastic job with Lille currently. Um, is Louis Campos a guy that we might see at Spurs anytime soon or is that something that um, that is just kind of reports? yeah, I don't think so i don't I, I'm, I mean first of all, I don't
1: think that Tottenham are looking to make an appointment in that position We talked about this before uh, in the previous winter uh, previous windows mm-hmm. podcast when his name was doing the rounds um, you know the chairman takes a very very heavy role in in the deals that the clubs do whereas Somebody like Campos would would you know does all the deals for for Leo, and that's that's the kind of the sporting director role. So I don't really see how a sporting director would fit in at Tottenham while while um, while Daniel Levy continues to be so heavily involved in in all the transfer deals. I just don't see how that could work because it, I mean it's a, a sporting director's position would, would be well be fairly redundant in that position in, in in those circumstances. So I think things you know the setup uh, works works pretty well and, and as it is with the chief scout in 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 Steve Hitchin you know reporting directly into into da, into Daniel Levy and, and Rebecca Capelhorn being the, you know the kind of the number cruncher she's kind of the de facto sporting director I know that's not her official title but you know um aside from she's she sort of does everything other than the actual recruitment of the players you know the scout doesn't oversee the scouting setup that's what Steve Hitchin does and you know, the kind of the technical aspect of buying a player is, is, the, is Steve Hitchin's side of things. And then the financial aspect is is Rebecca and, and, and obviously Daniel is heavily involved in all of it. So um, I think that, you know, between the three of them, they they cover the role of the sporting director. So I don't think there's any need for anybody. Um, and again, again, I think those rumours were, you know, mostly down to the fact that Mourinho does have a good relationship with him. And they're, you know, they're friends and they've been around. They've known each other for a long time. And obviously that he was bringing other people from Lille at the time in, in, in his assistance. So, yeah.
0: Brilliant. Lowell, a final question to ask you, because you've been an absolute gem and you've covered every single player we've thrown at you, every question we've thrown at you throughout this show. Um, this one is from Serial For Real Globe, who says, how many signings do you expect us to bring in before the pre-season matches? And if that's too early to bring anyone in, how many before the start of the season on the 12th? If we do bring in all our targets early, can you see Spurs doing a surprise come the end of the window? Three-part question, LR.
1: Before the pre-season games, I mean, you're you testing me here. I don't think I know when the first pre-season game is off the top of my head. Do you?
0: Um, do you know? I think we've got a couple of weeks or so to go. There's
2: three. They're all towards the end of August, aren't yeah. there? I can't. I think one's <laughs> on the 31st. Yeah. Uh, one's a couple of days just before that. And I one's a couple of days just after that. Mm, okay
1: possibly possibly it depends on what happens over the next couple of weeks with the right back situation then doesn't it um so yeah i think potentially one more then before the season starts perhaps so perhaps the, there's a chance that the right back situation could be could be resolved by then um but then you know as i've said probably the most become the end of the window four sorry three more and four in total the right back center back and backup striker right uh, I think that's that's probably the most that we'd see, um, and that would be quite a That would be, be a pretty normal transfer window in terms of player player um, player movement for a club, really. Four new signings, um, so that would be quite a lot, really, for a, for the COVID nineteen window. I think, um, yeah. Whereas probably probably minimum one more.
0: And then to finally ask you, Lyle, if Mourinho does get the players he wants, how happy do you think he will be? And then from in your opinion in terms of for Mourinho now. What will his target be from the ball next season? Is it a case that he has to get Tottenham back into the Champions League or he'll face pressure? Just to kind of finish up, what do you think will be the target for him within the club next season once he does have his players? And let's be honest about it, it's his first full season in charge. It's not about, you know, he doesn't know the players anymore. He spent a lot of time with them during, obviously, what happened with COVID. Um, What do you think the expectation will be of him next season?
1: That's a good question. That's a really good question. I think I think the, the expectation will, of course, be get back in the Champions League. I think he'll be putting expectation on himself to do that. You know, that's where he will want to be more than anybody else, or as much as anybody else. So that you know, getting the team back into the Champions League will undoubtedly be the be the priority, um, and then probably to see how far they can go in in you know in the, in the competitions that they're involved in. Obviously, the Europa, the Europa League is such a slog, especially when you start in the, in the qualifying rounds. It really is relentless and.
2: And tiring
1: for for a squad, um, so it'd be interesting to see who he plays in those games, especially in the earlier rounds. Um, but I think it'd be great to see Tottenham go all the way in that competition. I mean, he obviously did it with Manchester United when he when he was there in his first full season after they dropped out of the Champions League um, and went all the way on to win it. I don't think they started in the playoff stages at that time. I think they started straight away in the group. But still, um, I think that will, you know that winning a trophy ought to be a target next season as well.
0: Yeah, no pressure at all on him, Lyle, about winning a trophy. I don't want to remind our listeners how long that's, that we've waited for that. So no no pressure on him at all. But Lyle, just to say, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, giving no us problem. the lowdown on Spurs' transfer targets. And I have to just say this on behalf of Lyle as well, that, you know, things do change in the transfer window. And I'm sure, Lyle, you'll want to make that point that, you know, the targets now... May not necessarily be the same as what they might be towards the end of the window. circumstances change. I think is it very important to always make that point that whoever spurs may be linked with it at the start of the window again, surprises at the end are dictated by what happens in the market right
1: exactly exactly you know the the, the yeah the market is a is a fluid um, organic thing that changes over the course of the weeks that it that it goes on for, and that's one of the parts of the reasons why it's so fun to to be a journalist and report on because you know you can spend a lot of time um, speaking to a lot of people and getting a really good idea of what clubs want to do what their intentions are and so, and also you know what the players intentions are because really that's what it comes down to is you know you I've as I've said before you can identify the players that you want but it's down really to what what the players want and so much can happen in a transfer window suddenly towards the end a player can decide right I want to leave I want out who's there who is there that can take me and that's how names suddenly emerge that um, that you didn't think were going to be possible before. So that's what makes it exciting. And that's what that's what we need. That's what makes, makes the end of the window so uh, yeah, so enjoyable.
0: It does indeed. I think even Jason is getting excited by that, laugh. the way you've sold that. I honestly think even Jason's getting excited by the way you've sold that. It is, I think <laughs> towards the end of the window, it always spices up. We're all there on deadline day watching... All your hard work unfolding amongst our eyes, hopefully with some decent signings to come. Just want to say, Jamie, thank you ever so much mate, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure having you, hasn't it? It's been great this last hour or so.
2: hundred percent, yeah. Really enjoyable listening to kind of all the insight that Lyle's given us. Of course, great to have such a, a great journalist on the show. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed listening to everything uh, everything that's kind of been discussed. And yeah, very excited for the rest of the window now.
0: Yeah, indeed. And Lyle, we have to ask you very quickly before you go... Amazon mm. are waiting us. Will you be watching that? Will, you, will of you be intrigued to see what's going on? I mean, I know you know a lot what's going on behind Spurs anyway, but how do you feel as a journalist covering the club like you do? How do you think the board and the manager will come out of that once we've watched it?
1: Good question. That's what's going to be the most interesting thing to see because obviously it's been a uh, it's been a quite a tumultuous season. Um, I think certainly from the documentary maker's point of view, they couldn't have hoped for a more dramatic uh, dramatic secrets of events, really, for that They've season. They've been so
0: lucky, yeah. haven't they, Lyle? In terms of what well, they they couldn't make it up. Yeah, I mean, a managerial that's, change, that's, cup exits.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean, well, that's the nature of football, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, any number of things could have happened. Pochettino could have stayed and it could have been equally as enthralling in a different way. But, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, I've seen some of the trailers. Um, so I think uh, it's interesting, some of the trailers, especially the way that you know Mourinho has been talking to the squad yeah, you know, telling telling them to be nastier, uh, not not be such nice guys and be friend friends with each other, which is something I've known has been an issue a bit in the squad for for a few seasons. You know that they're all yeah. very very get on very very well with each other, which is a good thing. But also, I think yeah, he's wanted them to just be a bit more nasty when they get out on the pitch, um, which would be good to see really because you know that, I think that's an element from from a lot of Tottenham sides that's been lacking over the years is a bit more of that sort of ruthless. You know, a bit more nasty in mentality when it get, comes to getting across the white line on the pitch. Yep,
0: yeah. I'm glad you didn't say the other quote, Lyle. You did very well to divert very, through that one in terms of the intelligent part. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, been an absolute pleasure. The brilliant Jamie from Daily Hotspur and the wonderful Lyle Thomas on the last word on Spurs. Guys, I hope you enjoy this show and we'll be back with you very, very soon.
1: You said that people have perceptions of you. What do they say? The guy never smiles, the guy is ruthless. And what's the truth? The truth is that there is some truth on it. <laughs> Nothing can
2: replace the feeling of playing football at this level. The team is the engine of the club. We've got an amazing squad here. Oh, I'll leave it
1: out. <laughs> it's only the second time that I get a job mid season. Never seen someone covered. swear, Instagram.
0: a lot of noise I give one more day off what happened to us this season is impossible another injury is the last thing Spurs need right now how do we do that Tottenham are
2: out we are on shutdown coronavirus has led to the cancellation of all football the team and good guys
0: but good guys they never win Play aggressive. How is that right? Play, please! And believe that you can win. Courage. Honesty. Friendship. That's the most important thing in life and in football.